0: Hello and welcome to episode 166 of the Saintscore podcast. Started to game hope after three successive wins, Southampton fell at the fourth hurdle, losing 1-0 to Aston Villa. For just a moment, Nathan Jones's side were out of the relegation zone when James Will Prowse's deflected strike beat Emiliano Martinez. But. It wasn't to be. VAR ruled it out and, well, Saints conceded a set-piece because, of course, they did. And they remain without a home win since August. To talk about the action on the pitch and maybe even the sky, as well as preview clashes against Newcastle United and Blackpool in the Carabao and FA Cup. My name is Harry Tizard and I'm joined by Mikey Maidman, Jamie Allen and Ollie Boast. And Jamie, you weren't here last week.
1: Please tell us why. I was busy on the slopes in the Alps, unfortunately. I was skiing away, going 37 miles an hour Was my top speed. But I did have a big crash at the end of that, unfortunately. However, I'm doing fine. I was representing the Saints in my goalkeeper kits I got recently. And um, I'm smashing it. I'm, unfortunately, I missed the games. I was flying home. But I was getting the bags, coming up the badge came, So I proudly scored. Celebrated so hard with all my friends. And they laughed hmm. at me very
2: quickly after. Ooh.
0: Yeah, no broken bones for Jamie's, but maybe broken heart for Ollie. How are you doing this week?
2: Yeah, I'm doing okay. I thought the game was uh, difficult to watch, although at least I can say that I could could watch it in the, the comfort of my nice warm living room. It was freezing outside. I don't know if you guys were outside when the game was going on but it was it was mighty cold so anyone who watched on the terraces probably got a bad 90 minutes of football and probably a cold afterwards as well so at least i can say i watched it with a nice cup of tea in the living room <laughs> yeah
0: i mean mikey you're the final person that you know asked how they're doing but also tell us about the game because you were there you're the only one out of all of us that went out in the cold us three couldn't so please tell us
3: uh it was a little bit chilly uh, <laughs> it was it was a little bit chilly um the game overall, I mean, first forty-five minutes, Villa sort of battered us. Like they, they, they absolutely pinned us in for for long spells as well. Pinned us in, and uh, we had to battle through it. And we, we sort of, we made another tactical switch at halftime. Um, this time forming more of a back five than, than the weird sort of a dozy winger slash wing back role. He became just a wing back. And we looked a lot more settled Dozy knew what he was doing. There was no longer that massive space down the left-hand side. And we actually started to dominate and, and, and start to make really good chances. Of course, just before the disallowed Warprowski goal, um, Adam Armstrong hit the target. Probably should have been scoring, but he hit the target from close range and Martin has made a good save. And as soon as the goal sort of went in, we kind of lost momentum when it got taken away from us. Still quite an even game. I think it was a bit of a wake-up call for Villa um, when when the, the goal went in. And then, yeah silly set piece to give away and the problem is is if you give away like people are saying our oh, set pieces here set pieces there we well, give away 19 free kicks throughout the game if you're going to give away that many set pieces you're going to concede a chance from it and a good chance as well and yeah bazuni maybe could be doing better with it but it's a it's a free header from six yards out it, it's a hard shot to react to So, and then after that, we sort of went, oh, go for it and didn't really create much because I think we were definitely more effective with a back five slash back three than than playing with a back four. And we looked a little bit more effective doing that. Um, And yeah, that's sort of the overview of the game where I feel like if you would have played the first 45 or first 38 and then a plus. 7 or 8 minutes after the weird drone incident because that was fun um uh, then yeah you 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 could say villa deserved it but i think the reflecting on the second 45 bit even probably deserved to be a draw um maybe a win if that wall effort doesn't get wall- ruled out um but yeah overall <sighs> scrappy throughout the game and and yeah not not overall the best 90 minutes of football
0: so it was a bit of a, a drab first half, Ollie. but what was your over mm. opinion on it? Because it seemed to get a bit more entertaining in the second.
2: Yeah, definitely. I thought the first half was a little bit quiet. I mean, the, there was a, a moment where Bazunu came flying off his line, which I like to see, but there was a little bit of hesitation in there. He went and then sort of stopped, and then he went again. And it looked very close to cleaning out... Uh, one of the Villa players going, uh, not even throw on goal, but just kind of going past. And I did kind of have yeah my heart in my mouth for a little bit, but it was not a, a penalty. So about however long it was about less than 10 minutes in, I think. I was already worried. Uh, and then Lianco did a stupid challenge to get a yellow card, and I was worried about that as well. So <laughs> within about 15 minutes, I was already on edge. I wasn't really enjoying the game. And yeah, the first half just kind of petered out. Second half, a little bit more interesting. But it's just silly individual mistakes that just keep costing us points. And that's not not too much difference, really, in the game. It's just one small little error and it costs us three points. And we're right back down to the bottom of the table again.
0: Well, going into it. We only made one change: Elliot out, Adam Armstrong in. We surprised not to see Orsits. Jamie, someone that we signed, you know, a week maybe two ago, but
1: someone who's who's not really got on the pitch. You know why? Too short sure, to be honest. I think it, it must just be slow integration for him because obviously he had a th- had a cameo against City and a cameo against Everton, I believe. But I well, thought this could, probably could have been his chance to take take that leap and go into starting eleven. But clearly Nathan Jones is seeing something we're not in the training ground, maybe. Or maybe he just hasn't quite got the understanding of how we play yet. But I don't know. I think possibly next game against Newcastle on the Tuesday, um, which I think hopefully some, me and Mike will be there for that one. But, um, but I'd, like, I'd love to see him start. However, at least he got on the last 10 minutes of the game. Could have been a bit more useful in the 60th, however, wasn't to be. Yeah, a lot, of,
0: a lot of Saints fans at the start and probably even by the end because you know we didn't win the game were, were moaning the fact that we didn't have Orsic on the pitch at the start or in all fairness, I do agree that he probably should have got on earlier than he did. Mikey, can you understand why he didn't play? Because for me, I look at it and I go maybe it's the switch of culture in football. Maybe he's got to learn the system. And like Jamie said, it's that slow integration period rather than chuck him straight in. Maybe if we'd lost the, the past three games, we'd have to do it. But if we've won the last three, it feels like we're just trying to and build forward as a team rather than right you need to come on because we need we need action
3: i think it's it's like yeah you're seeing it more in modern day football than you you are probably previously but that's probably because squads are a little bit better now you're not relying on these new players to come in and make an impact your you, squads are genuinely good in the premier league so when you've got a new signing coming in, it's usually let's get him integrated, let's get him knowing what he's doing. And then once he knows what he's doing, then we can start giving him minutes and giving him game time. And it's just those sort of short little appearances are his learning periods. Those are his putting what he's learned into action and can he handle it. I don't know if he'll come in for Newcastle or not, because it's such a big game. You're you're it's a cup semi-final, it's the first cup semi-final of two legs. Maybe into the second, maybe into the game on the weekend as well against Blackpool. I think that probably be a little bit better for him being against a championship side who are in the bottom three in the championship, maybe be a little bit easier for him to integrate in. But we also know that we've played those games against Sheffield Wednesday and Lincoln and we haven't done particularly well in them. So maybe a risk, maybe not. But I understand why he wasn't starting. Because I didn't even like Elian Uzi coming out, I was sort of surprised of because I, I felt like we were quite good. Um, Against Everton and quite sound against Everton. Um, so, Elian usually coming out as a little bit surprised about, but Adam Armstrong coming in, I'm guessing, hopefully, I think the objective, Ronnie, was to isolate Ashley Young and make him one on one with Adam Armstrong and try and use his pace to get him behind, which worked a couple of times in the first half. And then there was a tactical switch in the second, which made him play a little bit more central than on the left hand side.
0: I mean, yeah, Armstrong could have been in in the first half, but Martinez rushes off his line um, you, know, you know, under Unai Emery. It feels like he's uh, you know, taken up a higher position. In that first half, we just had one shot. Lianko with it. I don't know what sort of shot it was. I just saw that he was the only one that had a shot for us compared to Aston Villa's seven. But we could have taken the lead. Lianko, he chipped it in uh, to Che Adams. He was just offside. And then you Kyle know, Walker-Peters turned it in. Ollie, was that a good sign, even though it was a you know a pretty a pretty poor first half? Or was it frustrating in the fact that you know if Che just holds his run there, we're 1-0 up?
2: Yeah, it's fine margins. Um and also the, the finish wasn't impeccable by Che mm. Adams. It's one of those ones that even if it if he's not offside, you'd like to see him just put his foot through it. He seemed to look like he's one the to try and open his body out and fallen over the ball. Somehow it's kind of bobbled through, and then Walker Peters has headed from a yard over the line. But yeah, uh, it's a frustrating one. It's again, it's a it's a small margin, but it was at least some positive sign. It was a decent build-up. Bianco De putting in through balls again, or like crosses. It seems like something he's kind of adding to his game now. Now he's playing out wide in in right back, and that's something I wasn't expecting when he brought him in. To be honest, I expected him to be that strong centre back, you know, no nonsense. But he's adding a little bit of uh, Brazilian flair, some crosses into the box. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I do like the sound of Lianco with a bit of Brazilian flair. Uh, Jamie, that's 15 games out of the 20 Premier League ones this season that we've not scored in the first half. Were you surprised that we weren't able to just drag the momentum from the Everton game into this one, at least in the first 45 minutes? Because if we could get on top, you never know what could happen.
1: I wasn't, if I'm to I wasn't expecting too much coming to this game because... If you look at the numbers, since Emery has taken over Aston Villa, I think he's got the most points of all, apart from Arsenal. So I think that that's some unbelievable form that Villa are on at the moment. And the only bit of hope I kind of had was their third kit curse. I don't know if you saw too much about that. I didn't but before know. they played us, they did not win in their third kit for over two years. Ooh! And um, that's the only slight bit of confidence I had for us having <laughs> um, the win in this game. But um, unfortunately, it wasn't to be. It's just Villa. We knew that we're the curse breakers, and thought, you know what? Let's whack that kit on and let's take him on.
2: (laughs) Classic Jamie trying to get it back onto kits. Hey
1: man, I
0: (laughs) I love love my trivia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that didn't come up on my stat sheet, I must say, but I saw Villa tweet about it and I, I saw like breaking the curse. I just went through all the comments. I had no idea what they are on about, I, but there we are. Anyway, that first half was over. There's a bit of action in the sky, like I pointed to earlier, Mikey. What did it feel like that it was going on at the time? Because the game sort of stopped. I was listening to uh, the commentators at the time. They weren't too sure either. What was what was the feeling around the ground when you see this flying massive fly basically in the sky?
3: Well, we we me and my mum we were sat quite high up, so we were in KK I think it was uh, where where we were sat. So uh, and it happened down our end because everyone lined up for the free kick, sort of got into place and ready ready to know what they were doing. And then you just see this drone slightly hop. It literally shifted down for about two seconds into our eye line and went back up behind the um, back behind the TV. I just went. There's a drone on the pitch, and then everyone started looking at it, going, "What <laughs> do we do in this situation?" And the referee was adamant that everyone should clear the pitch. So they cleared the pitch. About 10 minutes came back out, started playing again, and went back in for half time. But it was it, to be honest, it was absolutely hilarious because when they all came back out, Villa took the free kick, Ashley Young wasn't paying attention, missed the ball, it got set to um. I think it was Leon Bailey who went to have a shot scuffed it went straight through to Bazunu who picked it up and then kicked it a lot drop kick along the floor straight back to Villa it's like no one was ready for- to come back out and play football again which was just quite quite funny uh, less so on the Bazunu kick but yeah it, it was it was just a really weird incident like you just don't expect that to happen at a game of
0: football so coming back after the massive drone incident and the half time whistle it felt like there was a bit of a change of system. We had one shot in the first half, but seven in the second, although four of them were in the, the last about 10 minutes when we had to try and get a goal back in the game. Mikey, what was the, the change of system? Because I saw a lot of people complain on Twitter that the back five never works, the back four is always a lot better. But I don't... It seems like we played better afterwards. Is it just a simple thing that, that people say, that the back five doesn't work It will never work, when actually it, it, it did have a bit of an impact?
3: I think back five usually has a connotation of being defensive. Well, necessarily, it's not really the case. Uh, it, it's, it's less to do with the formation and what the actual role of the player is, because you could almost say that, so Guardiola builds up in a back three, which can turn into a back five if he wants to, depending on how high the wingers are and how high the wingers sit. So then depending if, if Rodri drops in between the two centre-halves and they split, that's technically a back five, but you wouldn't say that's defensive because of the positioning of the players. So, I think that's generally what happens. Is sometimes back five is consumed as you're gonna park the pass, they, they're they're gonna park the bus. You're gonna have eight five players on the 18 yard box, and they're not gonna move. So um, it felt like in the first half we played, we tried to play quite a transferable system. So where a dozy instead of just being an out and out right winger. He would come back and play as the right wing back, um, back into position, and Lianko would push over, and we'd defend in a back five, and then we'd break forward, and dozi would position himself higher up the field. But what kept happening was the left back had the absolute run of of the of the left hand side because adozi wasn't quick enough to get back. He was too high position to then make that distance back, and Lianko didn't want to come out because we were being overrun in the centre. Because what Villa kept doing was how how football's played now, basically, is you're really, really compact in the centre. So to be able to make a difference, you overload a wide area and try and stretch a team to open up their centre. Or if you overload that wide area and you can outnumber them, you can then break in behind around the team and then you can put a cross into the box or a cutback for a player to run in. That's basically what Villa were doing to break us down is we were really, really narrow in the centre. And they would get one of their diamond midfield players to move wide, make it a three-on-two out there, Commit a central midfielder out wide, and then we'd have one centre-mid in midfield to try and defend. Um, Because Ward Prowse would press up as a second striker. So we'd leave one centre-midfielder against basically three. So they just kept playing around us and outplaying us in the centre, and that's what just kept happening. So in the second half, Nathan Jones decided that he was going to change it. And he made a dozy a right wing back out and out and didn't, and he was just a right wing back and didn't have to try and transition between two positions. And he dropped Ward Prowse in as a three in midfield. So when it meant that if one of our central midfielders had to commit over and, and try and stop the overload happening, we had two players in there instead of one. So we stopped being outnumbered in the center and that really stumped Villa. They couldn't quite get their heads around what they were doing. Um, and a dozy was having the freedom because he he started from deeper, meaning there was more space to exploit, so he was having so much fun down that right hand side until he got taken off, and then carl walker peter's looked much more natural on his right hand side again, and he started going around players and taking players on and looked really really strong again, so that switch to just tighten up the middle of midfield, make it a little bit more compact and and then like and make a dozy's role a little bit more simpler, just allow Southampton to be better on the counter-attack and better in their build-up play, because we had a third man at centre-half, we had a third man in the centre-field, of and it just sort of stumped Villa slightly. And for that half an hour before we conceded the goal, we were probably the better side on reflection of it.
0: Better side, would you agree, Ollie?
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I made a note, like Mikey mentioned, Carl Walker-Piers looked so dangerous on that right-hand side. Just the confidence that he has two take-on players like Mikey mentioned. And um, his delivery, or if he if he doesn't deliver it, in finds a pass back to someone. Walprows loves coming into that pocket and then put it into the box. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, yeah, Walker Peters works amazing wherever we put him. If we put him on the left hand side, he works well. If you put him at right back, he works well. If you put him at wing back, there's some of it. Like I think Prude's not as great as the left wing back, but it just seems whatever you ask of Carl Walker Peters, he delivers. And yeah. Um, that switch definitely did look more dangerous. And it's a shame we let ourselves down with a silly free kick and conceding because I think we were genuinely building up to something. And then once we did eventually concede, it really threw off the the plans and the momentum. And I felt like the substitutions were the right substitutions, but it also changed things a lot. We'll get to that in a minute.
3: I I think... I think Jones won't get the praise for that change at half time And even mm. though it was a subtle switch, he's done it a couple of times where there's subtle switches that he'll make. And it does actually improve the size. I think he really does have a good footballing IQ. I think he knows what he's doing tactically. I think he sometimes tries a little bit too much at the start, like, like trying to get a dozy to do two jobs or not letting the play just as a right back. And I think sometimes that does make it a little bit difficult, but he seems to have the, the the ability to adapt during a game and that versatility go going different systems and formations. So I think that's something that he hasn't got praise for. And yet during those sort of games, like against City, he got it spot on. And then Everton, he made the change that made the difference in the second half. And Villa, he made a change that made a difference in the second half and we became better. So I think that's something he hasn't got the praise for. And I think that's just something you've we, got to point out and say he's done well there. He's done well in those,
0: those a couple of games. Ollie, something that you picked up on uh, was Kyle Walker-Peters being on the other side. Are you surprised that he's... that, that Jones hasn't naturally used full-backs on both sides, Peraz on the left and Walker-Peters on the right? Is that something that you're surprised about, that the Yanko is normally that chosen right-back and it's Walker-Peters on maybe his more unnatural left side, even though he still does an excellent job
2: there? I think Nathan Jones really likes Leonko. I think he mentioned that he likes his what he brings to the team, not just in a physical sense, but I guess in a passion sense as well. It seems like he's he really latches onto characters and something that can bring something to the side and I think his yeah, his his energy provides something to the team and I think that's what why he likes he likes him in the side. And also, he's doing a very capable job at right back. At no point do I feel concerned. And he's gone up against good opposition. You know, we've had, played Man City. We've played... Uh, he he up, went up against Zaha in the Cup. And I f- didn't feel too worried about his uh, his defensive issues. And I think he's capable as well when he's attacking as well. So, for me, I think he doesn't really deserve to come out of that, that place. And Walker Pease is does a very good job still on the left-hand side I do agree with you that I think he is stronger on the right but in terms of that balance I think Nathan Jones will look at it and say I think at the moment what we've got our full backs is working
0: yeah Leonko has made a couple of mistakes under Nathan Jones uh, the Forest one the one against Fulham as well Jamie, do you feel that you look at Jones and you look at Lianko and the manager probably looks at him and goes, I could see a bit of me in Lianko, someone that's very passionate, someone <laughs> that has that massive desire to win, maybe has a little bit of, of aggression in him as well. Do you feel like that's why he's hes sort of seen a bit of him in there, and that's why he, play, he plays a lot?
1: I think like like we're saying when he came from Luton, in the Luton Jets room there was those characters, there were the players that would die for him. I think Lianko's the kind of guy that does, will do that for his manager, whoever his manager is, it doesn't matter... Or their passes, he will do that for them, and might be why we're seeing um Parade not playing as much, he, who is an actual <laughs> natural wing back. Wing back, so uh, yeah, that's that thing, yeah. That's what probably seen like, like so Parade not playing as much, who is a natural wing back rather than Lianko, who's just uh, make kind of makeshift, you could argue, because of the fact he sees himself in him, sees the fire, and so, I, I like it. I love when players get behind the manager. Cause we saw it a lot with Potts, saw a lot with Koeman, and it's kind of nice to see, well, not, although not all the players are as of yet, but it's nice to see that they are backing the man. Especially like the thing I loved the most was when Prousy you know, pushed Jones into the fans after he won the other day. So that's sort of thing. I like to see the players react to the manager more and more. There's a good, good good, hope, I think, for the, this relegation battle we're in. Seeing that the players are starting to like him and not think that he's a useless man from the Championship. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, hopefully he's he's started to turn some heads as well, even though he did lose the last game. and A lot of people on Twitter probably don't, but there's certain signs of encouragement there. We made a triple change. Adams, Lavia and Adozi off. Peraz, Mara and Elianusi on. And we scored a bit afterwards. How... You know, intertwined that is. I'm not too sure. James will prowse with another goal, or what we thought was another goal, deflected past Martinez. What's the feeling around the stadium, Mikey? Did you feel that there was a free kick in there? Uh, before we go on a round table debate of whether it should have stood or not.
3: So yeah, the goal happened right in front of me, so I sort of saw the incident quite well. I saw Elian Uzi sort of, he, he went... He does the thing that most footballers do in that situation. If you're going up against a marquee, you're gonna give him an arm in the back, and you're just gonna give him a little bit of a shove, and because that's gonna create your space for you. It's not a foul. Like it doesn't feel. Ev- most footballers will do it, and most footballers will do it to get space on the pitch. So it's not particularly a foul because he's done that. The only thing that I can think of is the slight, not even stamp, but the the, the slight brush of his boot that Elianusi touches him with. That's the only thing that I can think of as a foul. If Ramsey doesn't hit the deck, it's not a foul. If, If it happens anywhere else on the pitch and VAR has a look at it, it's not a foul that that's the frustrating thing it's is the the moment before the goal goes in makes it a foul and if you're going the de- if you're going deeming the letter of the law then it is but that's where you've sort of got to you've got to give a little bit of leeway because every referee does during the game but i think I think the Aston Villa left back did about three or four fouls throughout the game and didn't get booked. Like, by the letter of the law on your second incident, you're supposed to get booked. You're not supposed to be given more and more and more. You're supposed to get bookings if you keep fouling a player, and yet he didn't. So it's literally just because the goal goes in straight after they've given it as a foul. And it's quite disappointing to have that happen because it feels like it's not enough really i was talking to a villa fan after the game and he said that if it was on his side then he's fuming that it's happened because there wasn't a lot in it um he also then did talk about the bazunu penalty incident maybe maybe not which on the replays really does look like a penalty but like, that's, that's your sort of leeway. I think I think they've got to give Elianuzzi that little bit of leeway because he's done whatever what any professional footballer would do in that situation. He's not pushed him. I think it's also helped Ramsey that he's backing into Elianuzzi as well. So it, it feels like it's just a 50-50 challenge that Ramsey's lost. He's misjudged the, the ball and he's gone, well, I'm going to hit the deck here because there might be a foul given. Uh, I think it's just quite unfortunate that it's happened um, at, at, at that specific time.
0: I mean, in his interview on Match of the Day afterwards, Jacob Ramsey did literally say, I hit the deck because I felt that there was enough contact. And that's, at the end of the day, why they got the free kick on it. Do you feel like it was a foul? Because I'm still in the 50-50 boat. Maybe that's bias, maybe that's unconscious bias, I'm not sure. But mm. I, can, I can see why it was given. And Elinus has given him a, a choice to make. Made the referee make a decision at yeah. that point.
2: There's a there's enough to go off there. And that's the reason. And as soon as you know that they're, they're having a look at the monitor, it's basically a recommended decision by that point. So you go and have a look, and he's basically placed an arm on the back of his on the back of his back and given him a slight push. Nothing that would move him at all, but he's felt it and gone down. And in that sense, that gives the referee an opportunity to overturn it and. That's what they've done. I personally don't agree with it. I think it's really soft. And like you said there, the player will even admit himself that it's soft. But unfortunately, if you give someone the opportunity and you make it obvious enough that you've uh, you've made that contact, especially when it's in the build-up towards a goal, um, obviously he doesn't know that at the time, but the end result was a goal. It is going to be checked. Like every goal is checked for VAR. Uh, and unfortunately, we were unlucky again to be picked up on it but yeah I, th- I think it's very harsh
0: i was gonna say we've been fortunate in the last few weeks from either players missing chances city not being on their game manchester city and everton both wins and also the palace one where we may be a bit fortunate jamie we're just a bit unlucky here really that on another day a different referee a different guy in the var booth might not have told him to go to, go to the screen What what was your thoughts on the incident
1: I, as I said, it's extremely harsh to happen to us, but I think it's just really, really frustrating. Like, I, if that happened in the cup games, I wouldn't be as I would be. That's uh, unfortunate, but obviously, it's it is what it is. However, where it's the three points that we are desperate for to get us out of the get. No, let's say the thing is it's weird to say get out of the rock because technically speaking, we've won three of our last four. However, it just feels that like we're still in that rot, and the Premier League can't quite get over it. And if only the Cup game transcended into Premier League games. But go back to what said, I think it was unlucky. However, it just is kind of a foul. And it's just, I can't, like, like you say, I'm 50 50. But obviously, I'm obviously more lenient about it because I'm a Saints fan.
0: I was going to say, if it happened against us, I'd have been frustrated if it was given as a goal. Because it almost feels like they for me anyway, there's almost two separate incidents that sort of made it a foul there's a little nudge which isn't normally a foul by itself but the tangling of legs just like i say makes him go to the screen and at that point he's seen all the evidence he needs he's seen the different angles and he's he's decided to give a foul of course when that goes in or not goes in it's nil nil goes back on and Aston villa at that point they feel like they've got the momentum because they've not conceded they've still got the clean sheet intact and they've got a game to attack. And Mara, a silly foul on the edge of the box. And I know there's quite a few that we didn't concede from that game, but it always feels like it comes down to set-piece goals. You know, look at Everton conceding from a corner. Forrest, it was a mistake. Two corners against Fulham, a cross and two free kicks against Oh, Sorry, a, a two crosses and one free kick against Liverpool as well. So, Mikey, it feels like goals are coming from the same sort of situation.
3: Yeah, I think that's probably the most disappointing thing about it. It's 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 a set piece. But like I said earlier, when you when you give away that many set pieces around the box, I think you've given away about five or six during the game. You, you're going to give away a chance from it. You It's just it's the silly fouls. It's it's the inability to try and clear the ball effectively. Too many times during the game where we had one possession back towards the edge of our 18 yard box. and Instead of like, we tried, we tried to build from the back. We tried to build a quick t- counterattack, and the players are so willing and so ready to play that pass forward and try and spring a counter-attack that it just goes wrong. And the amount of times that we lost possession during those sort of attacking transition periods was actually ridiculous where it felt like when... When Villa pinned us back in the first half for like five straight minutes, we had three or four chances to just clear the ball and get up. And instead, we've wanted to play this integral play to try and spring a counterattack, which is obviously what Jones wants to do. And we've had we've had we've made mistakes during it. And it's just allowed Villa to pin us back further and further and further. And in that time, you're going to give away free kicks. You're going to give away silly fouls. because You're starting to panic going, we've not got this ball clear." And so when you give Villa that many opportunities to stick the ball in the box, and they've got Ollie Watkins, who's a fantastic striker, England International, they've got Enzri Conza and Tyro Mings who are huge goal threats in the opposition box. And you've got a player like Emi Buendia or, or or a Luca Digne, who I know didn't play, but when you when you give players like that the ability to stick the ball in the box five or six times, they're gonna create something from it. And I think one of the issues during that set play was Two or three players decided to drop early, and that's your issue. If you're playing, if you're playing a flat line on the edge of your 18-yard box, you stay that flat line on the edge of your 18-yard box until the ball is tipped. And if we did that, they would have been offside. They would have been well offside, two, three yards offside. But because two or three players sort of panicked slightly and went, "I'm going to drop," all of a sudden Ollie Watkins is onside, and and he's got a free header to put the ball into the back of the net. Uh, it's it's that not willing to trust that set piece routine that to be fair we were quite effective with under hassenhutl like defending set pieces in that way of keeping that high line and yeah we, i think we just made it easy for villa to to create a chance from a set piece due to the amount of chances that we gave them
0: I mean, martinez denied gineppo uh what would have been a stunning equalizer we lose the game 1-0 Overall, Ollie, do you think the loss was as bad as a lot of people said? You know, Villa 5 wins out of their last seven under Unai Emery. They've been to big teams in that time as well. Manchester United have looked great. I know they lost to Arsenal today, but they've certainly turned a corner. Tottenham as, as one of them as well. Was it just one of those days where it didn't quite go for us, rather than we were awful, we didn't create any chances? Because that's some of the, the criticisms that I've seen, which are a bit wide of the mark for me.
2: Yeah, we've... We've given it a good goal. We were unfortunate, but this was a side that, like you say, on really good form, came into the side co- uh, to us confident. I, I don't know if you heard this. There's a stat that apparently Emery's gone over 30 games managing in the Premier League without a, a goalless draw, which Roddy. surprised me, considering Emery's style being quite defensive in my mind. Um, he never does. He doesn't do goalless draws. So... Yeah, that that surprised me. But also, yeah, that, they did look good. They looked well-organised. I think Emery's a, a good manager and he's really turned them around and they've got that bit of confidence. I knew it was going to be a tough game. I think all of our predictions weren't as as confident as the previous ones. And although I am disappointed and becoming ever more worried that we're not picking up points, there wasn't a major concern that I thought this is getting worse. It was just that things didn't quite go our way. It's just the reason why there's so much disappointment at the moment is because it's another game where points aren't being picked up and it's another week of being bottom of the table. That's That's the real concern.
0: Yeah, I mean, hopefully our luck will change against Newcastle because that's who we've got in the Carabao Cup first leg. We could have got Duskyn Forest. We could have also got Manchester United. So it's probably maybe the middle of the three, even though United are are below Newcastle at the time. They're 15 games unbeaten, like I said. Only lost one all season. That was back in August against Liverpool. So they're they're certainly a good team. And the last time they conceded, well, it was against us um, way back when... You know, like Ralph Hasn'to's last game, they did lose to Sheffield Wednesday in the cup, though. So maybe we can take some positives out of that. Jamie, how much has changed since that game against Newcastle to this one? Do you feel like we've improved? Do
1: you feel like there's been much much improvement at all? I think there definitely has been improvement. We're definitely much more defensively solid as than we were under Ralph Hasn'to. It's just we haven't got that attacking strength up to par just yet. I think with a few more additions, we could hopefully get to that level that we are after. However, I'm very much looking forward to playing Newcastle, though, just because if we're if we're comparing off cup forms, we're amazing, you know. <laughs> under, under Jones, Best 100%, the business. exactly. <laughs> where where Newcastle losing Sheffield Wednesday? Come on, that's not that's not like us. Not even weeks we, about yeah. Exactly. That's why I think we can get this W. Doesn't matter about league form, as that clearly the Saints score don't go off that. What matters is cup form, and we are in the win. In the... Yeah,
0: I mean, over two legs is always difficult. Mikey, have you seen many changes from now, from then until now? And is there signs of encouragement or signs of possibly worry?
3: I definitely think we're hard as play against. I think that's something that Jones has made us as a little bit more defensively solid. Of course, set pieces are still a problem and when when we sometimes do look a little bit panicky once our press has been broken or once our shape's gone but I think Jones tactically is quite good and, and quite solid Um, Newcastle are, are just a very good team that Eddie Howe's got in there and basically done the opposite of what Bournemouth were where Bournemouth kept conceding goals left right and centre Newcastle don't they've conceded 11 all year um they're they're really really solid defensively very very well organized and they've got some really good quality players who can win games for them um and and you know even if they're not playing particularly well they're still defensively solid and they've got that player that can like like an Almiron who's on fire this year or alan wilson will always turn up in the box as long as his armstrings aren't broken so like it it is it's going to be a tough game. Newcastle are a really good side, really, really well-structured, fantastic defensively, and it'll be a tough game for us to try and get something from it. I'd almost argue that it's maybe a little bit more favourable for us to play in a game like that where there will be spaces to exploit with the fact that Newcastle like to get their fullbacks high high and, and all that sort of stuff. But you've seen teams try and play on the counter-attack against Newcastle and still not been overly effective. So... I, I think it'll be important for us to play this game a little bit like City and 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 try and go at them a little bit more in the first half and and then hope to get a goal because I think if we score early we can we can sort of control the game the way that we want to play it. Well, if if the game gets tighter and tighter and tighter, we know Newcastle could have a something out of nothing goal. Uh, with uh, I mean, Bruno Guamas is is injured for the game, but with like a Callum Wilson or a Charlton or whoever else you want to list out of that that squad that are good quality players
0: I mean, yeah, we've won one of our last 11 games against Newcastle with that, that famous one being when we topped the league. But Newcastle, they've not won away from home against a Premier League team in the EFL Cup since 2014. Normally those long-winded, long-winded statistics sort of have a lot of connotations to it, so maybe I'm just trying to pluck something out of nowhere. Ollie, what do you expect from the game? Because Newcastle, they'll be at it. They want their first trophy under this mm. under this new era, but so do we.
2: Yeah, it's a statement, isn't it? And I think there there is an opportunity there. I'm very concerned about travelling for the second leg away, going to Newcastle. So I think in order to progress, we really need a good result at home, at our fortress is what we yes. need. Yes, come on. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we need to make sure that we get, I think if we want to go through, it needs to be a win at St Mary's and then... Hold for a draw in, uh, yeah, going up to Newcastle. I think it'll be a very, very tough game up there. So we need to try and do our absolute best at home. Jamie, what are you
0: looking forward to, or maybe scared of against Newcastle as well? Because they're they're not the team that they were last season or the season before. They're they're mm. completely different.
1: I, I think I think going into a lot of optimism, to be honest, because of the fact of cup form. And we are, had, do have that advantage, and um, I, don't, I just think think with Newcastle a bit of squad rotation, we play a full strength side. Hopefully, the Deprav, can get a goal game in as well. Let like his performance against Sheffield Wednesday. Anything, anything to go off? He's not the best at the moment. So, it just like that, I'm just looking forward to being a semi final and hopefully a rocking St Mary's because it looks like the tickets have sold quite well. Maybe not sure for the second leg that is, but. It'd be nice to have a good atmosphere at St. Mary's. I think the players do thrive off that. I think that's something that should happen.
0: I mean, part of me did really, really want to go to the away leg, but I thought if I buy the tickets and then we lose 3-0 at home, I'm going to an away leg where we have basically no chance of getting through. So fingers crossed my, you know, negative optimism or pessimism as it's, you know, better known. Uh, you know, doesn't doesn't come across and we we get a good result. But it's score prediction time. Can we get a good result in the first leg? I'll go to you, Oli first. What are you thinking?
2: Heart or heart or head. What do you want? What do you what do you think? So I'll have
0: to go with your head, sadly. Oh
2: uh, Do uh, you know that we going to want to win? Of course. Of course, of course we do. Um I think it will be a draw. I would I'd be very happy with a draw. I think if we want to go through, we need to win but I would take a draw and keep some, keep some suspense going into the second leg. If we get hammered like 3-0, then we're like, oh, what's the point? Let's, not, let's just forfeit, not turn up to the second, <laughs> second leg. But yeah, if we got a draw, I'd be very, very pleased. I'll say one all.
0: So the way you stretched out the way you said draw almost feels
1: like that was of your heart as well.
2: But I'll, <laughs> I'll,
0: take, I'll take the 1-0. Uh, Jamie, what are you
1: thinking? I think it very much depends on how much they rotate their side. I don't think there'll be any uh, at all. They want to they wanna uh, win that's, this. That's the sad truth to it, <laughs> unfortunately. But maybe a cheeky 1-0. Uh, anyway, a 1-0, and then uh, we'll win 1-0 second leg with a, a Shane Long-esque sort of thing. But that's <laughs> yeah. not the
0: future. You never know. I mean, we have succeeded midweek games there before. Mm. Uh, Mikey, what do you think about this upcoming club tie?
3: Um, I think that as long as we keep ourselves in the game, we have a chance in the second leg. I know Saint James's Park is a horrendous place to go to, especially on a Tuesday night from Southampton. It's not going to be particularly nice. Um, but as long as we keep ourselves in the game, we we've always got a chance. So a nil nil, one nil our way, or even a one nil towards Newcastle way. If as long as we keep ourselves in the
0: game, two legged tie. So? That's the main thing. What do you think? Um, from-
3: I think it'll be a nil-nil. I, th- I think it'll be a nil-nil. I, 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 I think if if we can sort of sit in, be a little bit nasty to play against, and and try and spring on the counter attack, we can cause problems for them. Um, or even if we decide to play on the front foot and try and cause problems like we did against City, then that that's an opportunity for us. But, yeah, I I, I think the key thing would be to keep ourselves in it. And and as long as we can do that, there's a chance in the second leg. you don't know what will happen. Uh, and and if we if we lose 1-0, all we have to do is loan in Elliot, and he'll score a brace at St. James' Park again. So <laughs> that's, that's, that's I have thing.
0: no idea where he is now, if he still plays. Uh, but a nil nil isn't uncommon for Newcastle. Three in their last four, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. I'll go. I'll say we sneak a one nil, just like we did against Liverpool, and then hopefully in the second leg, nil nil. I don't. I don't mind if there's one goal over two legs. That means we get through. I'll take anything. Uh, but yeah, I'll go. I'll go for one nil. And uh, with then we've got Blackpool on the Saturday, looking to complete a cup double on the way to maybe two, three Wembley trips. Last time we played Blackpool in an FA Cup fourth. T- round tie it was the 1975-76 season where we won the FA Cup so yeah. if you go through this leg you never know it could be a good omen we've won 24 of our last 26 games in the FA Cup against lower tier opposition so at the moment we're ticking all the sheets of possibility my uh Ollie what do you what do you think ahead of this game because they they did come off a good result 4-1 against Oscar Forest in the last round so they're not a team to be messed with in the cup and they need something. To maybe improve the mood they've you know departed with their last manager michael appleton they've got mick mccarthy through the door and they're 23rd in the championship so something needs to change with them and it needs to change quick
2: yeah i'm not gonna lie i don't know too much about blackpool so but i thought when i after i saw uh who do who was it? was it lincoln the first game back after off the World Cup, I thought, oh yeah, we should be able to just, you know, show our quality. That was not the case. It was a quite a rough game to watch. So I'm never gonna never gonna disrespect a lower league opposition just because they're not in the, the same league as us. That they, they will still pose a difficult challenge. Um what I think it does do is provide an opportunity for players that possibly haven't been in the the first team uh, as frequent frequently, give them a run, maybe give a rebo uh go in the 10 position Uh, nathan jones mentioned that it's very difficult for him to get into the side because he's got war Prowse now playing in that 10 and i think he's playing that very successfully so maybe possibly take war Prowse back see if war Prowse can do a double pivot or take war Prowse out and um put a rebo in instead maybe give orsic a go give him a full 90 try and get him back up to match fitness uh, give Mara 90 minutes you know give someone who hasn't had full 90 minutes give them a full involvement in the game I'd like to see something like that I think that'd be a, a good opportunity to do it
0: so they've not won in the championships since October Jamie what do you think coming into this game is this a potential banana mm. skin you know avoid the cliche <coughs> uh, because I hope I want to see repeats of when we last played that when Guly De Prado slapped it into the top corner when we were when we, we league won that time or we, and they were in the Premier League so it's sort of reversed even though obviously they're in the championship now
1: I think it's a very very good opportunity for the bit of rotation inside it gives, it gives the players the confidence like bringing in Mara Arms get, start Armstrong maybe at the number nine maybe well, Adam Armstrong, that is not Stuart, don't get confused. <laughs> um, maybe see a return of Stuart Armstrong, who knows about his injury rate. But um, I, mean, I just think it'd be a brilliant opportunity to face a lower league opposition who are struggling and he could possibly get a few go- few goals in this one as well.
0: Mikey, who do you want to see from the Saints' perspective as well? They mentioned Arebo, they mentioned Adam Armstrong, so two players that I, I want to see because Arebo, you've not really seen him. In a Saints shirt, that after he did score against Devaston. he's had a few good cameos here and there, but he seems to have struggled after the World Cup break. So, who do you want to see?
3: I don't know. Would Would you guys want to see Bizzunu given a break? Would Would that be something um, that you'd want to see? And, I, um, I, no. I feel yeah, like it, I don't know. It It depends on me of what McCarthy's fitness. That would That would be the the thing that I would want to know. Is because if McCarthy's fit, I would rotate. But if, but if if these not then i wouldn't put the caballero or um the young kid in because I, I, I don't know who the young kid's name is <laughs>
0: ollie right ollie right yeah. Yeah. yeah um we both of us don't know but we said the same name so I, name imagine it's, it I imagine like, that means it's correct it feels like we've got it
3: right so even if we got it, <laughs> it wrong is. it feels like we're okay We're wrong um yeah, um, but yeah, that 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 would be one that would be interesting to see. But I don't know if McCarthy's fit. I know he's been out injured for the last couple of. Um, what, Mikey? see, Why
1: do you not back Caballero? Uh,
3: I don't back Caballero because he's 38. Um, I know that's a 34. that's a.
0: Yeah, I think he's 40,
3: yeah. Oh, what is he, 40? Oh, yeah. No, no, a one The particular not? reason why is because I'm scared of Caballero and, and the fact that he is quite erratic. He's always been erratic throughout his career, and that could be in the case where he's made some wonderful saves and pulled off some fantastic saves, and mm. he's played at World Cups for Argentina, so he's obviously a quality goalkeeper. But there's... There's an element in there where he just does make mistakes. And I know that's the way now is that goalkeepers pass the ball out the back and everything like that, but he makes mistakes. But to be fair, Bazunu made a fair, th- fair few against Villa. I think that's something that I didn't get pointed out. His kicking was not good at all throughout the Villa game and nearly handed over two or three goals. And that was another reason he... Sorry, I know we're going back to Villa, but he needs to calm down when he's got the ball in his hands and almost let the team settle before... Letting the ball go because sometimes he played it way too quickly and we started playing ourselves into trouble straight away because we weren't set. Um but that'll be my only thing is to give McCarthy 90 minutes as well and see what he can do. Cause as much as again he wasn't like the best goalkeeper in the world, he was bang on average, like he was constantly bang on average as a goalkeeper. So that might just settle the side a little bit more, allowing for a goalkeeper to come in and be a little bit more reliable almost. Um you know Gary Medine plays for Blackpool. Sorry, I just looked up their squad. Another <laughs>
0: another random name. <laughs> yeah,
3: it's just just a fun name to have Gary Medine plays for Blackpool. Um Charlie Patino does as well. I don't know if people know him, but he's a youngster Arsenal. coming for Arsenal. Yeah. 19 year old kid supposed to be quite good. Um, but there's been a few of those come through against Arsenal. So it might be Football League player. I don't know. Um, just going off on a rant now, aren't I? Yeah, the- I mean, <laughs> yeah, <floor>. looking at...
0: <laughs> going to Jamie's question. For me, I only wouldn't play Caballero because I don't... I don't really see it answering any sort of questions or giving mm-hmm. anyone any confidence. It's a one-off game for a guy that is our third-choice keeper. I think Bazunu, in a game that we should win, if you can get a clean sheet, make a few saves, do, do a good few passes, that can help his confidence. If McCarthy get 90 minutes into his legs, see what he can do onto the new manager. You know, give Nathan Jones a uh, have a look. I mean, I don't think he's fully fit yet. But for Willie Caballero, it will just sort of be a one-off game where, hopefully, fingers crossed, he'll be just in between the sticks, doing nothing much for most of the game. Um, uh, but if they if he chooses Willie Caballero and he does well, fair enough, we'll play him in the next game. But yeah, Blackpool they could be they could be a bit scary. And it's score prediction time. Will we win another game or just just a game uh, this week? Ollie, yeah. what's your score prediction for this game? 3-1. I'm hoping it's saints rights to Saints. Yes, no, yes,
2: clarification.
0: <laughs> 3-1 to Southampton. i take that. S- short, sweet, and uh, Jamie, what are you thinking? Easy 4-0 victory to the mighty Southampton um, FC. A lot, a lot of confidence, a lot of confidence. Mikey, are you three goals, four goals, or are you going five?
3: I was I was just finding it funny that every that Ollie said at the start of this segment, going, "We're not going to disrespect a football league. <laughs> we're going to rotate the side and we're going to batter him three or four nil." It's two it's two out of form sides that are lacking confidence. So I know we've gone three on the bounce, but two of them are in the cup. So we we are it's two sides that sort of need a break from league football. So I'd expect Blackpool to come with a little bit more confidence and feel about it. And I think they think that they're having that break from their league season and might be able to get something from the game. So, I mean <laughs> they were bottom three in the championship when they beat Forest 4-1 or 4-2 or whatever it was at the end mm. of the game. So, they're a team that are happy to beat a Premier League side. They 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 probably think it's a break too. So, I think I'll go mm. like a one or 2-0 for Southampton. I think probably 1-0 to Southampton. It's going to be tight and a bit nasty, I think.
0: So I'll, I'll take that if we rotate the sides and just get through to the fifth round because it feels like that's what's given us hope at the moment both this season and also past ones that we do feel like a bit of a cut to we do feel that Wembley is only a few steps away uh, I oh yeah, I'll go for 2-0 and hopefully that'll round off a good week in terms of being a Saints fan but you never know anyway that's it for this week's episode of the Saints score podcast we looked at the tough Narrow loss against Aston Miller and previewed the upcoming semi-final first leg against Newcastle United as well as an FA Cup game against Blackpool. Hopefully you enjoyed. Remember, if you did, please leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever you're using. We do really, really appreciate it. It's been myself, Harry Tizar, I've been joined by Jamie Allen. Thank you for listening. Mikey Mazeman. Bye. And Ollie
2: <laughs> Boast. Thank you very much for joining us.
0: And hopefully next week we'll be reviewing wins left, right and centre as well as an upcoming game against Newcastle and the league match on the weekend. We'll see you next week.